Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I want to continue the sermon series. We started a few weeks back, a number of weeks back. We're walking slowly through the book of Colossians, and um, the Lord just laid on my heart to move slowly through this this awesome book, and honestly, just to um, go verse by verse and then stop whenever he says stop. So that's what I've been doing here the past, uh, I don't know, five or six weeks. This is probably the longest sermon series we've ever had at City Chapel, and and, uh, it's okay. We're just going to move through this book because the really cool thing about going verse by verse through the scriptures is number one you get a a a broader view a broader context of what the word of god says Um, whenever we do a sermon series typically it's around a particular topic which is great but uh you know then you get to hear about that topic but in this case we're just going through uh the bible and which covers a a a multitude a plethora if you will of topics um i kind of like that word whenever i get to use it it's just you know a multiplicity as bishop jakes would say of topics uh anyway you kind of throw out all these different things and so we've been moving quite slowly we're almost done with chapter one and then we're going to jump into chapter two chapter two is a lot of warnings um chapter one is 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 really mostly about the 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 thing that paul is writing about which is jesus and jesus is life he is the focus of life he is the reason for life and he is the giver and the bringer of life i mean he is all encompassing we've been reading about that he's he's the firstborn you know he's the most important over all creation uh, he's the single most important thing. And, and so as we've been learning about Jesus through Colossians 1, now we come toward the end of Colossians 1. If we can just put that up there, uh, Colossians 1, verse 26. Um, Paul's bringing his first argument to a close. Uh, and, and, and you'll see that he does this. He likes to build on things. And so now he says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. On to verse 27. To them, the Lord's people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about this mystery. And um, I'm going to speak on the topic of the title of my message today is uh, Hidden Hope. There is a hidden hope that you and I can have. And you and I may, you, you may have. I have a hidden hope. I don't know if you have it today, but uh, there, is, there is a hidden hope. But it starts off with this word mystery, which mystery, if you grew up in the 90s like I did, uh, you remember unsolved mysteries. I don't know, does anybody remember the guy in the trench coat, really creepy voice? Um, man, uh, if that, and they always had it on at night, like just before you went to bed, they would spook you, freak you out with all these stories of, of unsolved mysteries, like, like, you know, people who got murdered and, 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 and they, apparently the murderer got away with it. Uh, of course, nowadays they're coming up with more and more ways of tracking these folks. They're going back, solving some of these mysteries, which is great. But, but, but Paul says there, 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 there's a greater mystery. If we go back to verse 26, he says there's a mystery that's actually been hidden uh, for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. There's this, there's this mystery, and a mystery is something that um, it's, it's basically you have some of the facts, 
And, and in the case of uh, unsolved mysteries, you would have most of the facts. I don't know if you ever watched that, but they would start off by saying, you know, well, she was in a dark alley at 3 a.m., bless you, and she was, you know, stabbed in the back with a knife. And, and they had all these facts, like, like, how do you know exactly when she died? Well, they could, they could tell that, exactly how she died, they could tell that. Um, the, the, the length of the blade, the make and model of the gun. I mean, they had all these facts. And, and so is the, 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 kind of the cool part about Unsolved Mysteries is the first, like, 25 minutes, like, you, you, you had it solved, you know. Like, you knew who'd done it. You, you were sure of it. And, 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 and then they start introducing other facts, which contradict the facts that you had to begin with. And, and, and you're left with the realization that really you're missing a piece of the puzzle. And usually toward the end of the show, they would say, well, you know, somebody knows, da, 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 da. And they would say whatever that missing piece of the puzzle is. That's what a mystery is. A mystery is where you have a, a whole lot of facts around the case. You know a whole lot about it, but you're just missing a particular link. You're, you're missing one piece to the puzzle that would, that would tie it all together. And Paul says, man, there's this mystery that's been hidden for ages and generations. When he's saying ages and generations, he's, he's talking about the Lord's people, God's people, the Israelites, down through time, down through recorded history. That, man, each one of them got a piece of the puzzle. Abraham, for instance, got a piece of the puzzle. Abraham believed God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Abraham believed God. He, he got the faith piece of the puzzle. He got that fact right. And, and he had a revelation that if I can just believe God, I don't have to have all the answers. I can step out in faith, leave my home country, and just follow God wherever he sends me. And, and his faith did some amazing things for him. His faith did some awesome things. Just, just, just read in the book of Genesis. You will see that the reason why Abraham is called the father of the faith is because he stepped out and had great faith in God. And he saw great miracles in his own life. Uh, for a nomadic tribe wandering around the wilderness, the Lord added to him, made him rich. He, he, he opened up doors for him and he, and he gave him the entire land that he was traveling on. And so we understand that great faith is important. But, 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 but Paul says there's more to it than that. There's more to it. There's, there's, there's this mystery. See, Abraham had a piece of it, but there's more to it. Specifically, he says, the, the, the ultimate revelation is Christ in you. <laughs> See, if all, you, if all you've found... And this, this is what's funny to me, because I'm reading this as the Word of God, but it's also a historical document, right? It's almost 2,000 years old. And, and yet it feels to me like you could, like you could almost preach this passage <laughs> to a modern audience and light bulbs would just start turning on. He says it's now, this is nearly 2,000 years ago, he said it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. It's now an open secret. And it's amazing to me how even after nearly 2,000 years, it's still an open secret. It's incredible how something can be kept hidden for ages and generations, can be disclosed, and then can be hidden over again. Because I'm talking, I'm talking to you all, I'm talking to me. I grew up, I was born 1980. We all grew up in North America, Christianity from various kind of levels, some from a Roman Catholic background, some from Protestant background, some from 
the streets, some from gangs, some from, we're all coming from different, different places. And those different places have, have taught us different things about God. And so in every generation, this, this revelation is being, it has to be opened up. It has to be disclosed. It has to be revealed because even though it was revealed nearly 2000 years ago, I'm talking to people who still haven't figured this one out. It's still a hidden mystery to them. Because they still read about Abraham and he had faith. And so they think, man, all I have to do is I just have to believe in something. Man, but if all, you, if all your religion does is teach you what to believe, if you only believe in something and you don't receive someone to live in here, you have missed the missing piece of the puzzle of this incredible mystery. And so many of us, like, we're, we're kind of where Abraham was. Like, okay, I just need to believe in God. I just need to have faith. So, 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 so I go to church, and I, and I learn something new, and that's what it means to experience freedom. That's what it means to experience the Messiah. That's, what, that's all Abraham knew, but Paul says, man, there's more. He wants to live in you. He doesn't just want to be on your theology paper. He doesn't just want to be on your blog posts or your internet or your meme Facebook, on Facebook. He wants to live inside of you. Abraham had a piece of it. Ezekiel also had a piece of it. He saw into the future, and, and God gave him a vision of, of something. Uh, the prophet said, man, there's coming a day when nobody will tell his neighbor, no God, for they will all know me. They will all know God. Nobody's going to have to go door to door and say you ought to know God because everyone will know God. He saw into the future the time of the Messiah, the time of the unveiling, and he, and, and, and he got a piece of the puzzle. He said, man, these people are actually all going to know God. But once again, if all you do is know someone and you don't have someone living in you, you're missing the piece. Ezekiel had a piece of it. David had a piece of it. He said, man, this, this, this one who's coming is going to be a shepherd to the Lord's people. He will lead the Lord's people. And some of us from Scary Church, that's our version of God. He's the one getting ready to give us the marching orders, which is why we don't feel like we're actually growing or connected to God if he's not yelling at us. We love, we love, oh, preach it, preach it, pastor, step on my toes. We love to get our toes stepped on because that's what we were taught was actually love. But, but no, no, Paul says there's more than just leading. He doesn't just want to lead you. He wants to live inside of you. And so if you only have a dictator, if you only have a guy out front telling you where to turn and where to go and what to do and what not to do, you're missing out on the missing piece of this, this mystery. But through ages and generations, we were collecting facts. We were collecting. We knew so much about this Messiah, but we were missing out on something. And it was the fact that he wanted to live inside of us. And this is the, the missing piece of the mystery. Joel even said that in the last days that, that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And that's wonderful. That's a piece of the puzzle. But if you just have something on you and not someone living in you, you've missed the point. You've missed the great missing piece of this puzzle. And so, and so you, can, you can go through the Old Testament and you'll find all kinds of, of clues and, 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 and evidence and foreshadowing of who Jesus is and what he would do. But Paul says, man, the key component has been hidden. It's been a mystery. It's been buried underneath the religion, underneath the approaches, underneath the prayers, underneath the devotion, underneath the fasting, underneath the attendance, underneath the giving, the tithing, the offerings, underneath all of that, there was something hidden. God wanted, it's not that God, it's not that those things aren't good, it's not that those things aren't true, but God's got more for you than joining a church and a small group and getting into a freedom program. 
<laughs> he is Christ in you. It is Christ in me. This is the hope of glory. This is the missing piece. And so while all those things are good, and they are all parts of the great, of the great, the great revelation of our day, the great manifestation that must come into our minds and into our spirits, it must be absorbed in our hearts, is Christ in us. This is the greatest revelation. This is the key to it all. This is the missing piece to the puzzle. Everything will make sense when you, when you lock into that. Different denominations will express it differently. Different, different places, will, you know, extroverts will be loud about it. Introverts will be quiet about it. But when Christ is in you, something changes, something shifts, something comes alive inside you that wasn't alive inside of you before. You do all of the things that you are wanting to do. And that's the thing. All of the stuff that the prophets saw were all true. They were just looking on the outside. They saw it on the outside and they said, man, the Holy Spirit is being poured out on people. But they couldn't see that inside the heart of the believer, there is deep calling out to deep. There is something crying out for that thing that's coming on because there's someone living in. And so it's not just the, the pouring of the oil on, on the heads of the saints. It's not just the flame of fire and tongues and all that stuff. There's something in, living inside of the believer. And it's Christ. I mean, the greatest thing that Paul has been building and talking about, the person and work of Jesus Christ, he said, okay, now the great mystery is that this great God is going to live inside of you and me. And that's crazy. That's crazy. But this is, this, is, this, is what, this is what I feel like we have to get to. We have to get to the place. If you don't have Jesus Christ living inside of you, just stop right there. Don't bother praying for anything else. Don't bother praying for any gifts, any manifestations. Don't bother praying for any. It is Christ in you. This is the beginning and the end of the Christian experience. I was talking to Madden uh, the other day and uh, taking her on a date night. And um, I thought of a great question. I, I, I'm always trying to think of good questions to get us talking because with Micah, Micah just talks. So uh, that's always good. But whenever I take Madden out, I have to think of stuff. And so, so I was asking her, so I, so, so I said, what's your favorite thing about you? Um, and she didn't know. And I said, well, maybe that's kind of tough because there's a lot of great things about you. Maybe, maybe the top three, just, you know, you don't have to pick number one, just give me three. Well, she also didn't know that. She, so, so she's like, well, she's like, well, what about you? So I listed my top three for her, my favorite things. She's like, well, no, I meant what's your favorite thing about you? And I said, oh, okay, well, there's a lot of great things about me. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, you know, I got to weigh it out. And I said, well, I, I said, but, 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 but honestly, like the best thing about me, and I really think it's the best thing I got going, is my relationship with Jesus. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a preacher. I'm saying that because when I had nothing, when I, ha when I wasn't a preacher, when I had nothing, when I had nothing else, that was the single greatest thing about me. And even after I've got some other things added on top of that, and I've had some blessings, and I've had some friends, and I've had some family, and I've had some, 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 some help, and I've had some joy, and I've had some fulfillment, all that stuff only makes sense as long as that one thing is still locked in. But when that thing starts shaking, all this other stuff doesn't seem to matter very much. It is Christ in me that it is the hope of glory. It is Christ in me. This is this hidden thing. It's the best thing I got going on. People, you know, it, 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 is, it is my wisdom. It is my insight. It is my foresight. He is uh, my, my leader. He's my guide. He's all the stuff that the prophets talk about and more. He's living inside of me. He's my comforter. He's my help. I mean, and so I said, man, he, Jesus is the best thing. And then after that, you know, 
It's probably my looks. I've always, I've always been okay with my looks. I, not, not great looking, but I'm not goofy looking. You know what I mean? So that's, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good. I'm, I'm not ugly. And uh, so anyway, I listed a few other things, which we won't go into. But, but man, when, when Christ is in you, it truly is. It's the best thing about you. It's the thing that makes you easy to live with. If you're not easy to live with, you probably don't have Christ living inside of you. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> because Christ living inside of you will make you loving and easy to live with with the people. So, so, if, so, so if you really want to know if you have Christ living inside of you, talk to your spouse, talk to your kids, talk to your parents, teenagers. Ask them, do I have Christ living inside of me? Because it, if he's inside of you, stuff's going to start coming out of you that looks and sounds and feels a lot like him. And this, this is a progression. There, I mean, there, there is maturity that happens. And, 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 but if you look at a life of a believer, it's like there's something that's transforming them from the inside. That, that even stuff this year that they were okay with last year, it's kind of like, I don't know that that's so great anymore. They start acting more like Christ because he is inside of them. So there's a passage of scripture that I think really is a story in scripture that I think really shows this pretty good. It's in John chapter 4. And so we're going to put a few uh, of, the, of the passages up there just so that you can read it. But it starts off with, with, with Jesus, right, who is the one who wants to live inside of us. But when he came to earth, he was, he was representing what, what I'm talking about. He was, he, he was a living representative of, of somebody with a hidden hope inside of him, something inside of him that wasn't as, as it appeared. And so Jesus, uh, in John chapter 4, actually in the first few verses, we're going to start at verse 6, but in the first few verses, uh, we see that John was, uh, Jesus was baptizing people, and he was over by the Jordan. Uh, baptizing people, and then he decided to move. And where he moved was by Jacob's well. He went to Jacob's well, and he was tired from his journey. Well, what journey? Well, you, if you read from the beginning, you, and, you, and you look at an old, an, old, an old map, you'll see that he walked all night through the desert to get here. And so he walks all night through the desert, and the Bible just, just says, well, he was tired from his journey. And so here's a man who's thirsty, who's hungry, who's wore out. Um, I just traveled this week. I, I was up for 24 hours at one point because, uh, anyway, I wanted to drive down to West Virginia to be with Pastor Wright and Sister Virginia's um, uh, homegoing. And so, anyway, you, sometimes you're just tired, and that's driving. I'm just sitting there pushing a gas pedal, you know. Um, but this guy is, this dude's walking, and um, uh, he's walking all night. And he's tired, and he sits down by the well, and it's about noon. It's, it's the middle of the day in uh, uh, the, mid, the Mideast, and it's hot. And this is a time, this is a time when people normally wouldn't go to the well because it was so hot. And ladies typically would go out to draw water with their massive pots, um, you know, five-gallon jugs of uh, clay. It's not with plastic. And so they would lower that thing down, pull it up, and then have to put it over their back or over their shoulder and carry it back to their homes. That's why they didn't do it in the middle of the day because it was just too hot. And so Jesus is, is sitting by the well, and there's this, there's this beautiful picture of somebody who is wore out, somebody who is tired, somebody who's thirsty, and he's sitting by the well, and his name's Jesus. And Jesus is the water of life. It's weird when the water of life is thirsty to me. It's just, it's just odd that, 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 that the one who spoke water into existence 
the one in whom water was created, and, and then he split the water between the, you know, the, the heavens and, and, and the earthly water. I mean, the one, who, the, the, the one who oversaw the building of the well is sitting by the well, and he can't get anything to drink because he doesn't have a bucket. And he's, and he's sitting there, and he's tired, and he's thirsty. But you look at him on the outside, and he's ragged, and he's worn. But on the inside... He has something going on. That's the kind of hope I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of hope that no matter what's going on on the outside, no matter how you look or how you got out of look when you got out of bed, no, 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 no matter how you look and no matter what's going on on the outside, there's something on the inside that is sustaining him, that is keeping him, that is feeding him, that he is, he is, he is thirsty and he is tired. But at the same time, he could you know, go, go gadget, stretch arm, go down to the, I mean, he could speak water to start spurting up from, you know, a little fountain into his mouth, you know, like, like he, like, but he's not drinking. Why? Because, because he has something inside of him that's greater than what's outside of him. He has something inside him that's more fulfilling than the need, the pressing need that's outside of him. This is how you can tell people who are filled with the presence of Jesus, they have something inside of them that's even better than the thing they're lacking on the outside of them. And so they don't have the need, they don't feel the need to prioritize that need that's outside of them. They're, they're too busy dwelling on the need that's inside of them, which is to connect with this lady. He sits by the well, and he sits there until the woman, as we, we call her, the woman at the well, because she's never named in Scripture, until she shows up. Here he is thirsty, hungry, tired. He could get himself something to drink, but he's more interested in this lady that's going to show up. It's crazy to me that God waited for this lady. I mean, even just from a from a from a like church planting standpoint, uh, you know, you only have so much time in your life. And Jesus was more cognizant of this probably than I am because he actually knew how much time. He, I don't know how much time I have. I feel like I have a long time, but that may or may not be true. But Jesus, he's only going to be on the earth for about 33 years. The Son of God is only going to be walking the earth for 33 years. What, would, what kind of schedule would you keep if you were the Son of God and you knew you are only going to walk the earth for 33 years? One, would you spend all night walking someplace? That's kind of a waste. At least get a donkey. <laughs> a camel, something. You know... Get on TBN, get a jet. I mean, you know, like, let's, let's cut, let's, <laughs> let's cut the travel time down. And having been a personal assistant, I'm not against jets because I've, it cuts the travel time down. So it's like, here you have the creator of the universe. He knew all about jets. He knew all about that, that stuff. And he knows about travel that we're going to be experiencing in 100 years. So he, he's well aware. And yet he sits down, pulls up a chair, and just hangs out at the well. It's crazy to me. Time is a limited resource. We don't, you don't have all of it. It's going away. And God wastes his day sitting there waiting for somebody to show up. I wonder how long he's been waiting for you. I wonder what, I wonder, we, we, we come to him, we're like, oh man, I've, I've blown so much time. I've wasted so much time. I've, I've taken out so much time. And God's like, what time? I've been, I've been waiting. 
a lot longer. And, 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 he's, and he's happy to do it. He's not angry at her. She doesn't show up, and he's like, it's about time you got here. Wait till noon? Everybody else gets here in the morning. No, he, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't blame her for being late. He doesn't blame her for the lost time because, because in his economy and in his world, he's, he's fine. He doesn't need, he, he asked her for a drink, but he doesn't actually need a drink from her. He asks us for obedience. He doesn't actually need obedience from us. He asks us for devotion. He doesn't actually need it. What he has on the inside is so much better than what he has on the outside. He's not looking for us to fulfill something in him. Whenever he asks something from us, he's wanting to give something to us. And so he asks her for a drink, but he's not dependent on her drink. He asks us for obedience, but he's not dependent on our obedience. And so he calls out to her. He asks her for a drink, and of course she says, well, you know, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. I'm not going to be giving you drinks and all this kind of thing. And, and then Jesus says, well, if you knew the gift of God and if you knew who was asking you, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living waters. Now, of course, we get real spiritual with living waters. But actually, the term living waters, that's what they would have said about Jacob's well. It was a living well, which, which, which means that it had gone deep enough to where there was moving water. It wasn't stagnant. It was living water. That's what they called it. Which is why her response was like, what, do you have another well like this one? Because, you know, I mean, obviously, spiritually, he is talking about waters that are alive and, and bring life. Jesus is life. But, 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 but sort of just factually, that's how she would have described Jacob's well. And he says, there's, there's living waters that I have. And she says, well, where are you going to get that? And then she points out the obvious. She says, you don't even have a bucket. You have nothing to draw with. You have nothing to get the water with. And this is the, this is the thing about, about this hidden hope. Number one, God, God waits on us. But it's also a hope that is he's wanting to place inside of us. She notices this difference. She says, you don't have something to get to grab a hold, to bring the water to you. And in her economy, in her ages and generations, that's how God works. If you want God, you have to have something that helps you reach out and bring him in. If you want love, you have to have something that helps you reach out and bring it in. If you want freedom, you have to have steps that reach out and bring it in. Whatever you want, you have to have some kind of bucket to draw from once you find the well once you find the church, now you have to get some kind of bucket to draw from that well. And it makes sense. I mean, this is kind of how the world works. And yet Jesus, he, 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 he's telling her, he says, he says, I would have given you something that I don't have any way to draw from. And she says, no, wait a minute, you can't give something that you don't have a tool or an apparatus or a container to draw from. And it gets real frustrating for those of us that grew up in a church where, where everything was about what kind of tool you had to draw from, what kind of conference you went to to draw from, and what kind of devotion you had to draw from. And he says, and, and, and I think it's interesting that Paul said this, this mystery has been kept hidden from, for ages and generations. It's both. Ages is time. Generations is, is uh, family connections. So this stuff is passed down. 
It's not just, it's not just for ages and time. This is passed down from, from mom and dad to father and son. This is passed down that this is the way the world works and this is the way life works. You have to have something to get something. You have to, you have to give something to get something. You have to dr- put something down there to bring something up. And Jesus said, I, I would give you something that you don't need something. In other words, it's not outside of you. All the prophets saw something outside of them, something ahead of them. And for many of us, we see something ahead of us in the future, or we see something behind us in the past. And it's like, if we could just get, if we could go back and change the past, or if we could get forward to the future, when we meet that special someone, or when, the, when we get that particular job, or when we find that perfect church, if we, could just, if we could just move forward to that place, if we could just change places, which is what she starts talking about. She says, she says, our, our, she says I, I, I perceive you're a prophet. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you all say we should worship there. Well, she's talking about the location of worship. Should I go here or should I go there? Should I go to that church or should I go to this church? Should I do this or should I do that? All things that are outside of her because this is the way that her world works. And, and what Jesus is saying, he says, man, he says, he says lady, the, the hour is coming when when you won't worship on this mountain or on that mountain, because it won't be about a geographical location. It'll be about something that I put inside of you. And he actually says, I think it's verse 11, if we could scroll down to that. uh, Or we could, you know, watch a music (laughs) video. (laughs) Wow, okay. Go on to the next one. Uh, It's verse uh, 13, maybe. She says, you have nothing to draw with. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them. Will music video. Nice. Never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them. That's the key. Will become in them. Will become in them. The water I give them will become in them. A spring of living water. It becomes something inside of you. You say, well, how do you, how do you receive this? And that's what she said. She said, sir, how do I receive this? And Jesus said, well, go get your husband and we'll talk about it. And she said, I have no husband. It's interesting. She just told him, you have no bucket. And now she says, and I'm fresh out of buckets too. He's like, yeah, it's true. You've been through a few buckets. That thing that you dropped down into the water to try to get, that thing that you thought would bring you the thing that you needed. She says, how can, I, how can I get this water? And he says, well, go get your bucket, because that's what you do, right? And she, she says, well, fresh out of those buckets. <laughs> and Jesus says, that's fine. Because for this water, you don't need a bucket. You don't need a pope. You don't need a priest. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a husband. You don't need a wife. You don't need a job. You don't need an income. This water will, you don't, you don't even need to be good. You don't, need, you don't need obedience. You don't need to be righteous. You don't have to straighten yourself up. 
You don't have to figure it out. This water will become in you. This water will do something in you. This water will become in you. In other words, you receive this water. Now, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. You receive this water. You receive this, and it becomes in you what you need. It becomes in you. It teaches you. If, 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 if Scripture says we ought to be righteous, it teaches you righteousness. You receive this water, and it brings out righteousness out of you. If Scripture says we ought to be sober, we receive this water, and it brings sobriety out of us. Uh, this, this, I, I saw Nick, Nick sitting back there. Nick just celebrated this week. Was it Friday? Yesterday, Saturday, one year. One year of being sober. And what's really cool is, was it last Sunday you were telling me that last Sunday marked the one-year point when you visited City Chapel? We were at the school uh, in, the, in the gym, and he came to visit Tristan, uh, his, his little guy, who's now living with him. He's not, yeah, he was that big. Yeah, Peter and, Peter and Jalisha were fostering him, and so Sunday's when he got to come visit Tristan. So he visited Tristan, hung out a little bit for worship, and, and that week, Saturday, um, put down the alcohol and walked away from it and has been sober for, for a year. That's a, that's a big deal. That's not, that's not just Nick being determined and strong, even though it is, but that strength and that determination has come from somewhere. It's come from somewhere. There's something in him that's doing something that's becoming in him. The sobriety that he was lacking. Seven, was it seven years that you were homeless? For seven years. It's amazing the, the way the enemy will just beat you up. And all, like all the stuff he offers, he pulls it away. And that's what Jesus said. Whoever drinks from this well, man, they'll get thirsty again. It offers satisfaction, but it doesn't last. And instead, it leaves you, it robs you of everything that you love, of everything that you had. But man, to see what, what, this, what this living water does inside of somebody, it brings a son back into a home, gets, gets you a home <laughs> to, to bring him into and a job and, 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 and just to have a clear mind and just to be able to enjoy life and just to, be, to, to truly enjoy life, to truly be aware of life. To see Nick now and the joy in his life now is so awesome. And the friends around him now and the people around him, the support system around him. Like this, is the, this living well, it becomes something. It does something inside. And that's true for Nick, but it's, it never stops becoming something. I, I've had this living well inside of me for, uh, gosh, 33 years. Yeah, that's, I'm old. I was six years old, and, and this living well came into me. And it started immediately becoming something. It immediately told me I need to be baptized, like up in front of everybody, and I was really shy. And this is why people say, oh, well, you're, 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 you're bold. No, I'm not bold. This well is becoming something inside of me that looks kind of like boldness. But it does, what it feels like on the inside, what it looks like on the outside are two very different things. And so I, you know, seven years old, I went up and I was baptized. And then that same year, this well started telling me to talk to my neighbor about Jesus. 
Robbie was his name, and he lived right across the street from us. He used to play basketball with us there in the there in the the there in the parking lot. And um, I didn't know what to say. Like, oh. so I just asked him. I said, "So, Robbie, if you died, would you go to heaven?" Because that's all I, you know. It's, and he and and he said yes. And I said, "Really?" I was I was surprised. I th- I thought for sure he wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I'm not judgmental or anything. I just. I just thought, you know, he didn't go to church, so I'm seven years old. I figured, "Uh." he said yes, and I said, okay, good. (laughs) That's all I knew. And then, and then I was nine years old, and I went on a mission trip. And this little, this little guy came up to me, uh, came up for prayer because we did this little skit. And then the adults spoke, and um, they said, if you want to come forward and 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 receive Jesus and be saved, come on down. And so this kid, like my age, came up to me. He's like, I want to be saved, and I'm nine years old. I didn't, I'd never been to a, like evangelism class. I didn't know. I said, Well, this is how I did it. This is what this is what I prayed, and I just prayed with him, and the well be, starts becoming something. And, and, and I can take you through my, like, that's nine years old. I can look at 10 years old. I can look at 11. And I can take you through my life, this well becoming something. And it, and it, it doesn't, it, it starts off as just this small, this, uh, uh, this, the seed of love that uh, uh, Hannah, Hannah Hernard talked about, which is actually a thorn. And it, and it goes into your heart. But it sticks in there, and it starts growing something, starts birthing something, until finally, man, you talk to some of these old saints, these people that have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and they're not swayed by, you know, the 2020 election, and they're not freaking out uh, over different things because they have something inside of them that says, no, God's in control, and I'm, I am so focused on what's growing in here, I don't have time to judge and critique what's, you know, dying out there. I don't have time to look at people. And, and th- th- this is the thing. When people start ignoring the field in here, and they start ignoring the well in here, th- then they have all kinds of time to start critiquing everybody else's field and everybody else's well. But, man, if you're, if you're tending to this, if you're watching this, if you're taking care of this, if you're drinking from what is inside of you, you have this hidden hope, and it takes, it carries you through. Joseph had this hidden hope. In the Old Testament, Joseph uh, had, had some dreams, and God planted inside of him a, a, a hope for the future and what God had planned for him. And then he, some would say, made the mistake of telling his brothers about these, these, this, this hope and these dreams, and those brothers were not happy about that. And so those brothers kicked him out. Those brothers kidnapped him, and they were going to kill him, and they decided to sell him instead to some traitors that were, that were coming through. And he went into, into slavery, which in those days was you know, uh, especially in that area, was a lot worse than sort of what we think of as modern slavery. Uh, you know, and so he's castrated and, and he's, uh, he's, put over, he's put over Potiphar's house and, and he's serving and he looks like a regular servant, but nobody knows what's inside of him. And it's the hope inside of him that carries him through the oppression that happened to him, the evil that happened to him the lies that happened about him. And then he's thrown in jail and then he's forgotten and then he's rejected. And then at the end of the story, you know, he stands in front of his brothers when, when, when God has brought him to where he needed to go. And he looks at them and he says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. It's interesting. It's the same what. What you intended is what God intended. That's kind of a hard pill to swallow. Because we like to think that what the enemy intended, God used for good. 
That's not what Joseph said. Joseph said, what you intended is exactly what God intended. I was sharing that with somebody uh, just, just even this week, just in my own life. And it's not that God wants people to do wrong things to us, but it's, that, but it's the same what. It's, the, 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 it's just the why is different. What you intended is also what God intended, but the purpose is different. You intended to destroy me. You intended to get rid of me, but God intended to move me because he knew I would never leave my dad any other way. Joseph would never leave his family any other way. He knew. And and if he's going to be a ruler over everybody, he's got to get to Egypt, the most powerful country in the world. And he knew he'd never move to Egypt willingly. So God got him to Egypt another way. And this is the thing. When you have something growing inside of you, you can trust the process. You can trust the process that you're going through to get there. And so Joseph says, what you intended is what God intended it's just different reasons. The why is different. You tried to destroy me. God was trying to, to bring about the destiny that he had placed in me all along. And so it's not that you could look back and say, well, what you did was right, and what you did is, is, is normal, and uh, I should now trust you. Uh, that's not what Joseph said. And there's people that, that will mistreat you, and there is people that, that have bad intentions for you. But when you have something inside of you from God, that's growing inside of you, when you tend to that, when you focus on that, even those lies, even those things that come against you, God says, yep, okay, I've, I've allowed this, I've permit, permitted this in order to get you to where you need to go. I wouldn't be in Texas if there wasn't people that kicked me out of Michigan. <laughs> Not literally kicked me out, but, you know, <laughs> if God didn't kick me out of Michigan, yeah, I, would, I, would, I would have stayed, I like Michigan. Detroit Lions fan still. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be out of Michigan. I wouldn't be in Texas. I wouldn't be where God called me to be. I never would have traveled with Tommy. I never would have done so many of the things that God has done inside of me. I never would have met Roe. Never would have had the kids that I have if I would have stuck within my comfort zone. So the thing that God, but the thing that God put inside of me, though, started growing. And it started pushing against the limitations that I was surrounded by, and, and, and there are some people that didn't act 100% right. And there's some people that, that weren't fair. There's some people, and I, I can't be mad at them, though, because look what God did with it. Because God knew I wasn't going to leave Michigan <laughs> on my own. I'm too stubborn. I'm too, I, 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 got, I, I got a plan, and when I have a plan, like, I'm going to work the plan. And he just knew. I just so he says, "Well, let me just give you a little, just give you a little help." I just, and I've seen God over and over in my life. This thing that's growing inside of me is not always growing in sunny weather. <laughs> sometimes it's growing in storms. Sometimes it's growing in hurricanes and craziness. But it it keeps growing, and God keeps growing it. And so, how do you how do you receive that? Well, you just say, "God, I'm out of buckets." <laughs> you got to come to that place. Like the woman at the well did. Lord, and you might not be out of buckets. You might have to set some aside. You got to look at your bucket and say, this is not enough. This is not working. This is not cutting it. And willfully, I think it's harder for us Americans, uh, especially in Austin, a city that's just awesome and blowing up and 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 there's so much there's so many buckets that we can just spend our entire lives just running around to different ones 
it's, it's harder to set those aside. It's easier when you can say, well, I truly have no bucket. It's easier when you're down to nothing. Sometimes those are the people. Sometimes those, those are the nicks that just say, I'll take that. And it, and it clicks. But for some of, some of us, we're, we're not down to nothing. We have some stuff. We have a home. We have... It's harder to set our buckets aside sometimes. But it's the same process, man. It's the same thing. You have to get rid of the bucket in order to receive the well, the well of life. So would you close your eyes with me? And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to spend a couple minutes. Sometimes you just have to quiet yourself. Stop rushing around. going from one appointment to the next appointment. And sometimes just just say, God, I want you to fill me. I want to set aside my buckets. Maybe you are down to no buckets, and if you are, that's awesome. Cool, it'll be easier for you. But if you have a nice car, and you have a nice house, and you have good marriage, and great kids it gets hard you can set those aside though and say Lord I choose to remove these things from my life from my dependence I'm not going to depend on them I'll hold on to them I'll keep them thank you for these blessings but but what I need is the water of life I need the well of life inside of me may even have some forms of religion, maybe, maybe even have some great experiences to look back on. That's lovely. But what is God doing in you now? Is there anything becoming inside of you now? Is there anything growing inside of you, or has it stopped? Sometimes I think entire churches can be built around what God used to do and what God had done one time. We build edifices to a corpse of the move of God. And we feel secure because we keep thinking about that one time or that one season. The question is, what's growing? What's becoming inside of you now? What, what's, what's the field of your heart doing right now? And Jesus isn't there to judge you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come back to that thing that you keep coming to. And so you came to church. That's awesome. You watched online. That's awesome because you, you, you figure there's some water there. That's nice. But, man, there's more than just coming and getting something. There is someone who would come live inside of you. There is someone who would fill you. And so, Lord, we're here. We're ready. We're available vessels to you. We set aside our abilities to, to draw for ourselves and we ask for living water that you would give, the kind that would become something inside of us, that would become inside of us a, a well springing up, that would become inside of us running, living, fresh water, not stagnant, not 
not not not not just pour it on Sunday and then let it sit all week long. But there's this thing living. There's this thing flowing. There, the 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 kind of well that you want for us is the kind that's drilled so deep that there's that there's a movement of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is like the wind. <laughs> you don't know where it's come from. You don't know where it's going. But if 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 you haven't shielded if you haven't shielded yourself from it, you can feel it. We want to feel what the Holy Spirit is doing in our families, what the Holy Spirit is doing in our church, what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, in our hearts. Lord, we don't want to shield ourselves from it. So we open up the doors of our hearts. We open up the gates of our mind. We open up our eyes and our ears and our, and our mind to you. We, we surrender ourselves to you to fill us up. To fill us up, every part of us to remove all of us, to, to get rid of, of, of any bit that we're filled up with ourselves or our own thinking. And we, and we allow you to fill us up. Not just the, the God that we've perceived or the God that we've created within our imagination, but for you to move in, for you to take residence, carry on conversations with you, walk with you, hear from you, live with you. And you change us on the inside. You, you do all that. You, you create inside of us sobriety. You create inside of us faithfulness. You create inside of us purity. This is the key that, that defeats addiction. This is the thing that destroys sin and breaks the yoke. This is, this is the secret of the ages. It's Christ in us. And when he dwells richly in us, it's all him. He gets all the glory and all the praise for everything that is accomplished through us. In Jesus' name, amen.